Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we pick up in Mark chapter 9 with verses 30 through 41. Most of us share a common desire, or at least we have at some time in our lives. We want to be first. We want first dibs, first pick, first place. We want priority over others. We want to be in control and in charge. The disciples were no different, and Jesus caught them in a discussion about which of them would be first. What does it take to be first? What do you have to do? What qualifications would cause you to rise to first position and be in charge? Well, as Jesus points out, it all depends on whether you seek the world's way for the world's reasons or God's way for God's reasons. And the way you decide to pursue being first will determine what kind of first place prize you're rewarded with in the end. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, How to Be First. We had moved my mom to uh, Idaho. She was up here for about her last 10 years. And uh, she wasn't quite to the state that we took away her car keys, but uh, she had this cute little bright red late 1980s Honda Civic. She was about four foot nine. And uh, we had her under strict orders. You can drive from your house to the corner down there. That's where the bank and the grocery store is and back. And if you drive anywhere else, you're done. And she bought in. She was, she was good with that. Well, so she would drive her little car back and forth to the grocery store. And it was pretty hard to keep the battery charged. So she called me and one day and let me know that her car battery was dead. That night, I went over to her house, and I, I pulled my car into her driveway, and I parked over to one side, and, and then I pushed her little car out of the garage right next to mine so that the jumper cables could reach from my battery to her battery. I was doing this alone, and I didn't have anybody to tend the cables for me, and I'm always a little nervous about you know, jumper cables and, you know, you don't want one of the clips to fall off and short out or something like that. I was doing it alone. I wanted to be as careful as I could. So I rolled down the window on the driver's side of her car so that I wouldn't have to climb all the way in to start her car. I could do it uh, from outside. So um, once I got the cables connected, I went around and I leaned in through the driver's window, and I reached across and reached around the steering wheel, and I turned the key, and proving that I was a mechanical genius, it started immediately. However, in the next split second, that was when I was reminded that that model of car, my mom's car, had, had one of those early shoulder strap things that moved on a track along the door, and as soon as the engine started, it went into action, and the car was working just right, so the shoulder strap sensed some resistance, and so what does it do? It clamps down really hard. There I was, with my head inside the car, my other end and my legs still outside the car, 
and uh, would have made a good America's Funniest Videos, but <laughs> it didn't. I, I, I finally wriggled my way out, and the first thing I did, did I, go dis- did I go disconnect the battery cables? No. The first thing I did was look around and see if anybody <laughs> caught me. And nobody did. And then I've realized since then, nobody would ever have known if I hadn't told this dumb story. But then, with a very red face, I walked around, unhooked the cables as if I wasn't embarrassed. You know that feeling when you get caught doing something stupid? You know what it's like. I presume you do. And you know the feeling when that something that you do is not just stupid, it's selfish, and it's sinful? Well, the twelve apostles were in precisely that situation of suddenly discovering that their sinful personal ambition was now exposed in the spotlight of the scrutiny of Jesus Himself. That brings us to the next couple of verses in our text, Mark 9, 33 and 34. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. <laughs> Friends, these are, these are real men. They're, they're, they're normal. I, it grates on me every time I see the idols and the icons and the gaudy artwork that supposedly portrays Jesus and the apostles with, with halos around their heads. I know that's just symbolic, but nothing could have been farther from the truth. They were perfectly normal men, and they struggled just like you and I struggle in the battle against our own fallen fleshly desires and perspectives and, and our our meism, if you will. Now, the twelve, like I said, they were, they were picking up on some things pretty good, and they, they understood that part about Jesus saying they would reign with Him. And He mentioned thrones in His kingdom. They, they, were, they were into that. But they weren't catching on to the lessons about faith and humility. This is just one of several times that they argued among themselves which of them was going to be greatest. Remember, there's, there's even the one that's recorded in John chapter 20 when James and John, the two brothers who were the sons of thunder, remember, they sent their mother to ask Jesus if her boys could have the prime positions in the kingdom. And Jesus gave him a pretty strong answer. I commend it to you. Go read it on your own. But the passage also says that the other ten were indignant with the two brothers for pulling that stunt. I think that the reason the other ten were mad is that they didn't think of sending their mommies to ask Jesus. That argument indeed went on right up until the night before the cross. Now, in last week's passage, we saw how Jesus began teaching them a series of very important lessons, and that one was about faith. This lesson is about humility, and it's triggered by the disciples arguing 
over the wrong issue. What matters is not who will be greatest in the kingdom. What matters is that we understand and proclaim correctly the message that gets people into the kingdom about the death and the resurrection of Christ. So don't miss the big issue. Don't argue the wrong issue. And here's the main part of this passage. Practice humility. Now again, by by harmonizing the Gospels, we can put together what happened as this situation uh, developed. And probably more than any other passage that we've studied in Mark, I think we need help from Matthew and Luke to, to fill in the whole picture. Those 12 guys weren't pinned in a car with their undignified backsides hanging out. It was a whole lot worse than that. They were caught by the omniscient, perfectly holy Son of God with the sin of their hearts exposed. And Jesus ended that, heart, ended that conversation pretty quickly about who was the greatest. Uh, as if to cover over their pride that they had been indulging in, they, they made up a question to ask Jesus. They knew they were busted. And in Luke 9.47, Luke, it's interesting that Luke says um, that Jesus knew what they were thinking in their heart. Now, interesting, heart is singular. He wasn't talking about their hearts. It was like they were fully of one mind devoted to trying to figure out which of them was the greatest and completely missing the, whole, the most important point. I can imagine a certain strain in their voices when they asked him this question. Um, it's in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, uh, before we get to Luke 9.35. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, and, you know, they were probably sweating. They may have been stammering, but He had busted them for arguing over who's the greatest. And they said, um... Who then is the uh, greatest in the kingdom of heaven? must have been really hard to try to pretend that that was a serious question when they knew that they were wrong for asking it. So, Mark 9.35. Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be the first, he shall be last of all and servant of of all. The point is that when it comes to the kingdom of God, everything is radically different from how we are in this world. In the reward system of the kingdom of heaven, greatness is not determined by how many people you have under you. Greatness is determined by how many people you get under so that you can lift them up by serving them for the glory of your king. That's great in the kingdom of God. Back in the 70s or 80s, um, Maranatha music was making up simple little songs, putting a lot of songs to Scripture, and um, they plucked from this situation, made up a Uh, a song, it was probably one of the least sophisticated, least well-done 
Christian songs of all time, but it was very biblical. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.